0: Hello, and welcome to The Rule Box, a podcast about the Pokemon trading card game and whatever else we might be playing. My name is Will, one of your three hosts, who are Luke. Hello. And John. Hey, yo. The three of us have been playing Pokemon cards for a few years together now. We're going to offer different perspectives on the trading card game. We'll have a competitive angle, but we're also going to approach this from a love of Pokemon as well. Whatever your level of play or interest in the Pokemon trading card game is, I'm sure there'll be something for you. We can't go any further, I don't think, without mentioning the biggest event in the trading card game calendar, which is the World Championships, which you both yes. attended in some capacity ah. just a few weeks ago. Yeah still adapting from the Japanese heat and all the
1: changes we made from public transport to vending machines, getting our dinner and the prices, but I think we both enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, no, it was it was a phenomenal trip. I absolutely adored it and I always like shed a single tear when I think about going out there having big full meals for less than a tenner and then I come back here and, <laughs> and I look at my wallet as I've gone into Pret and somehow spent my life savings. <laughs> and you've both been to Japan
0: before, right? But I think for anyone who's interested in pokemon like japan's at the top of the list for
2: places you want to go and and play the game right
0: yeah certainly
2: yeah yeah. it's like both playing and like collecting aspects as well because one of the most mind-boggling things is and it's kind of one of the hardest things like to convey to anyone about japan like in akihabara the fact that it's such a a mecca of card games collectibles etc etc and it's the fact that you've got hundreds of card stores and like that's not that's not even like underestimating it you walk down and it's just everywhere
1: i have a map on google maps of all the card stores and at least in central London, i think there's about five that you can play pokemon at you know there's others where you can get different bits and different card stores or game stores but i think there's about five proper into it if you're into Pokemon that you
0: should visit. There'll be about five in one building in Akihabara. Oh, it's, it's so <laughs> stupid. It's like... It is crazy. <laughs> and five is pretty good in, by UK standards, right? Oh yes,
1: yeah, right. so of course. No, I'm not, not trying to downplay it, but just to really show you the dedication to like nerd culture and just gaming or whatever hobbies you're into is like, again, it's a lot of people aimed for Japan because they were like, this is a great chance for me to not only play the game that I love, but visit Japan and it's a big goal for a lot of people, I think.
0: Yeah, 100%. And we, we all love the, every year they theme the merchandise for the tournament around the place. And you've, you've got to love some Japan themed merch. Oh, right? it's so nice. It, the whole <laughs>
2: colour scheme, the vibe, the starters, all like on, the, on like various Japanese foods and that. It's just, It was nail on the head. So tell me how each of you came to the decision or
0: the moment that you realized that you'd be going to worlds in japan was it a given as soon as they announced it
1: i think everyone was very interested as soon as japan was announced in london
0: there was a huge roar of (laughs) cheering oh yeah and it was
1: electric in the
0: arena and this is the first time it's been outside of the states is that right apart from london London,
1: (laughs) it's been hawaii and canada i think are the only fur away from the usa ones they've done so yeah quite monumental but yes i think as soon as that was announced i was like this is a great time to have a holiday i'd love to take part in the open so i was pretty set because i didn't know how much i wanted to compete but i know john did very well and was able to compete just to say i only went as a spectator because luckily a lot of people i knew qualified so i was pretty much guaranteed a spectator pass yes but whereas john you competed
2: yeah no i grinded that season i was very fortunate to qualify for the world championship i must admit i think the moment i saw it was going to be in japan i was just like yeah well i'm going there's no <laughs> ifs and buts about it me and my other half have talked about like planning our next trip to japan and it just kind of seemed to all like sink itself together quite well yes <laughs> it's wild to think about actually talk about planning for trips like that because during the tail end of the covid era and the beginning of the yokohama circuit if we call it that it's actually insane when i look back at it how many places i had to travel to to get points <laughs> because Obviously, with the COVID restrictions still in place for like, the majority of it, there were no cups and challenges. So I couldn't go down to my local store, which may be an hour away, to go to a cup. But I had to go to Warsaw. I had to go to Lille. I had to go to Bochum. I had to go to Stuttgart. I had to travel across various places in Europe to like get my points in the end. And it's almost it's weird traveling out across Europe has almost become like, like a second fall. Like it's, it's, that now seems normal to me. But then when I talk to people that, like, oh yeah, I've been to like eight different countries this year. And you're like, what? Like, oh yeah, actually this is not a normal thing people do. I was going to say, Japan was closed, wasn't it? It was. No one even knew if it was going to happen in like Yokohama yeah. because
1: when we started or it was announced Japan was locked off, you couldn't even visit as a holiday. So yeah,
0: they were really secluded in that point. Let's rewind a second here because you've mentioned traveling around Europe to get points and and qualifying but i'm going to pretend i don't know what that means and just ask how do you qualify for a world championship event in the pokemon trading card game
2: So the way you qualify for a World Championship is you've got to earn points throughout the season, attending various events and placing relatively highly. And once you place relatively highly, you gain a certain amount of points depending on how you place. There's also an extra factor as well of the amount of people that attend an event. But if we assume The average event of being six hundred people, which is a lot. It it, it is a lot of people. A lot of the time, it would be top one hundred twenty-eight people out of that six hundred will get points. If you come first, you get a butt ton of points. If you come one hundred twenty-eight, you still get a good chunk of points, but not near as much. And once you've attained the benchmark of points, which in the case of the Yokohama season was 250, you get given your World's Invite. Or what event was it that you secured
0: your World's Invite? And, and how many points was that? Just to try and put it into context.
2: Ah, uh, so the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Break it down for me, Tom. Oh I need the numbers. <laughs> Give me the numbers.
2: Um, so it was EUIC and I was on 240 points. So I just needed <laughs> 10 points. Oh wow! It was, okay. it was literally nothing. At that point, they just announced that they brought back Cups and Challenges. But as a bit of backstory on Cups and Challenges, in a season, you are capped on how many points you can earn. Well, not how many points you can earn, how many placements you can have within Cups and Challenges. And what I kind of... Gotcha. Yeah, what I kind of mean by that is only eight of your League Cups will be recorded on how many points you earn. So if you win eight League Cups, then that's the maximum you can do. Now, because it was towards the tail end of the season, they kind of didn't want everyone to absolutely grind like mad for all the Cups and Challenges. They limited it to two Cups and two Challenges. You can attend multiple Cups and Challenges, but only your two best results from the Challenges and Cups would go towards your invite going back to EUIC I bombed EUIC it wasn't my day I am almost certain that ICs are cursed for me because I've never <laughs> I have never placed in an IC regionals I've placed almost every single one I've done in ICs every single one I flopped out the EUIC was having its first ever cup and I thought why not I'm going to, might as well do it. You never know, I can will make my 10 points from that. To anyone out there wanting to go to a League Cup, I think it would be fun going to a League Cup at like an international, don't do it. It's not fun. It's not worth your time.
1: Let's just say an average cup has about, nowadays, let's say the high end of 40 players. Yeah, that's a high sometimes end. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more, but let's just average that. How many was at uh, the UIC <laughs> Cup, do you
0: know? Uh,
2: yeah, like 335.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And that's after you've just had a full day of competitive Pokemon. So
2: your brain is fried at this point. So, like, with the UIC Cup, it was nine rounds. So it was the same amount of rounds as the international day one. Oof. So I played... 50-minute rounds as well. Yeah, I did 18 rounds of Lost Box. (laughs) I have gone through hell, and I've stared Hades in the eyes at this point. Luckily for the UIC Cup, I finished top... I think it was uh, top 16... I finished in the end. Nice. Interestingly, I had a chance for top eight, but in that final game, I was like, I've already earned my points. I've earned my 10. I'm switching <laughs> off now. I don't need to do anything. And I've played probably the worst <laughs> games of Pokemon I've ever played in my life. But yeah, but it was such a huge cup that they actually had to do the top eight on the next day. And that still wow. still blows my mind.
1: Almost like a mini regional was- special at that point. It's- yeah. Do
2: you know what's really stupid? It's the fact that that cup probably have more players than most Australian regionals. And I want to let that sink in for everyone here. (laughs) So you needed 10
0: points. You came top 16.
2: How many points did that get you? Uh, That got me 10
0: points. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh,
2: so you did exactly how you needed to do it. Yeah. I think it was like 10 or 12 points. It was something along those lines, but it was very, very much on the margin. That was the moment I got my world's invite. Nice. And... Um, Luke, you
0: said you were going to Worlds as a spectator. You weren't necessarily grinding the season to try and get 250 points. So no, I had a few placements. I did make day two of UIC.
1: You did, um, you yeah. did with uh, Lost Tina, right? Yes, it was Lostina Tina before. It was super popular. Um, like it is now but again without cups or challenges i was really hesitant on whether or not i could make it because you would have had to attend all these regionals and stuff and i attended a couple and but not enough to be like okay i can make it if i do well at uic at that point after uic we'd had quite a few players already qualified there's a high chance that if there's spare spectator tickets or something i would be able to attend anyway little did we know that the open wouldn't take place (laughs) what a plot
0: twist a day of much controversy
1: But I was after a holiday. I wanted the break. I was going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, aside from the obvious, like you love Pokemon, you love Japan. What was on offer apart from the then cancelled open (laughs) at the event that that you were looking forward to doing?
1: I think one of the joys of Pokemon
0: is just being with people.
1: It was a great time to help support or take photos of them, play and test. Even just the run up was great. Everyone was excited
2: Bar no open, but um. (laughs) (laughs) just to jump on actually Luke's point quickly about like the whole group aspect. I think that has been like one of my most enjoyable things about attending all the regionals because I've been able to go with my other half. I've been able to go with all my local game group and that has made the trips and the whole experience so much better than would have been if i did it danny no mates and just went by (laughs) myself (laughs) because i really good example of this i think one of my favorite trips was uh one to warsaw which is by the way if anyone has not been to warsaw warsaw is a fantastic place to go it's also very cheap it's the only place i know where i can get an uber on like a 25 minute journey and only pay six pounds why isn't that here is what i want to know but uh, i love that you go straight to uber and not like the the cost of a pint
0: or no a pint of milk
2: <laughs> why am i buying a pint of milk in warsaw
0: <laughs> no it's like one of those go to like loaf of bread like how, how do you judge a, a country's economy No, it's specifically a 25 minute uber ride
2: <laughs> but yes the main thing is the whole group concept of uh, everyone like going on the trips and stuff like that has like, been like the, the biggest selling point for me and, and as luke said it's like one of the things i was really looking forward to being in japan obviously competing is what is a big highlight but actually it was being with everyone which is always sounds kind of soppy but it was very it's very true though it, the, the camaraderie that everyone being there was was wonderful it is
0: and it's actually i think to anyone out there who's you know interested in dipping their toe into trading card games and it can be intimidating just showing up at a, a store where there are these seasoned players like luke and john it is intimidating <laughs> but They're such friendly places. And I think we've all been in that situation where we've shown up to somewhere, not known anyone, but we've made friends who we're still friends with years later. And and that's ultimately what is so great, especially why I'm so gutted I didn't make it to many of these events, actually. Uh, Sadly, couldn't make Worlds this year. Maybe, maybe next time. Okay, maybe not Hawaii, but we'll get (laughs) to that later. Yeah.
1: Well, the issue with Japan is that everything was lotteries which is commonplace in Japan, but you'd see that spectator tickets, which the competitors got, they got two of which was very generous, were going up on Twitter for sale. Whilst many people were secret, it seemed to be the price would be £200 just to spectate the event.
2: Yeah, that's the thing with Japan, and it, to anyone who has not been out there, Japan love a lottery. They love a gambling esque thing. They like yes. that sort of aspect. You, if you, if we had to go back to like the card stores, like in Akihabara, and that they will have walls which are dedicated lottery walls where they're just blind to packs, Absolutely. and you pick one at random, and you don't know what one you're gonna get.
1: Yes, oripas, which I couldn't work out why they were called. I was, didn't know if it was a Japanese word, but no original packing or something. Oh, that that really? that's what <laughs> <laughs> it is. took me a while to work. That's that out, far less exciting. The- (laughs)
0: make their own packs yeah it's also partly through necessity right with the sheer volume of people who want to play at events and they're just not being the space to accommodate them right
2: i'm always on the fence about lottery systems obviously it favors those who maybe like have a busy work schedule or something like that and that's that makes sense that's the case with a lot of people people have very busy lives and such and i do feel bad for the players who are really good Gunning to try and go into worlds. They're really trying their hard to get into worlds and they'll try and attend every tournament they can. And they get put into the same lottery system of other people who maybe are not as serious or something like that. And obviously, it's an inclusive game, and we should always think about the inclusivity of everyone. But I do feel sorry for those people who are there ready to go, I'm gonna get this ticket right on the dot. Um who are put in the dedication to try and get that ticket, compared to someone who maybe just on the whim goes, Oh, you know what, why not? I'll just apply and go, Oh, what the heck I got the ticket. So I kind of feel bad for like those people in that respect. So it's why I'm a bit on the fence with the the lottery system as a whole. I, I wonder if it's a cultural
0: difference there. Like we're like, oh, we can take five minutes out of work to chance or to gra- grab a ticket for a Pokemon car tournament, but. From what you hear, it's the work culture in Japan is quite different. It's grueling. Maybe it's not as forgiving. Yeah, Yeah, no, that
2: is very fair.
1: We'll touch on it a bit, but logistically, it must have been very tricky to hold such an event because so many people did want to go. Mm. And 100% the competitors should be given priority, but the pure culture around Pokemon, it was very busy. There was lots of spectators there, but you can kind of see how they got to that situation of wanting to have so many spectators. Because Pokémon is huge in Japan. Well, it's
0: it's a
2: Disney. That's that's what it is. Exactly. In
0: How quickly from arriving at the airport in Tokyo was it before you saw something Pokémon branded? Oh. About two minutes. <laughs> the eyelid- was Pikachu there?
2: Like, I'm pretty sure there were
1: Pikachu vending machines everywhere. Straight from Yokohama, the city was, there's so many art
0: installations and adverts. It really was big there. So Yokohama being where the event was held, right? Which is just outside Tokyo or like a suburb or? It was about an
1: hour or so, I think.
2: Yeah, it's not far at all. The moment I saw the Pokemon stuff at, was at the airport. Because as I was walking for baggage reclaim, they had giant banners advertising the world championship across. Oh really? Yeah, they they were across the whole. You know where you have those the the moving ground. What what is that actually called? The I just call it the moving <laughs> ground, but the, the the floor escalator, but it's not going up. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the Jemerekui video. <laughs> Maybe I am. Last time I was out in Japan before this, it was during the Tokyo Olympics, and it was heavily advertised. In Yokohama, I can say it was about the same, if not more, advertisement for the Pokemon World Championship than it was for the Tokyo Olympics. That's wild. It's insane. On the tube, they had, because in Japan they're far too fancy and they've got little TV screens with all adverts (laughs) going on. They had adverts... For the World Championship going on, which is like a full anime piece, which looks really pretty. When you even like looked at the stops, the stop had like little symbols of the World Championship by it. So you knew that was the stop to get off at for the World Championship. Every time I've explained this to people, they still don't believe me. But the actual barriers where you would go to like scan your Oyster card, you had a set of six of them, three very normal ones. And then you had three at the end where you had little Pikachu footprints leading up to them. And if you scanned your... Oyster card equivalent, which is a Pasmo card. It would say Pika Pika. A little animation of Pikachu would appear and then it'll let you through. The fact that they went through the effort to reprogram the barriers to pay. <laughs> that
1: made me jump the first time that I, d- I didn't know it was going to happen.
2: But it was- <laughs> I was like, oh, what was that? <laughs> but the fact that they went through the effort the, the whole yokohama station was just insane as well their tv screens in shape of pokeballs showing all the streamed games like the the training card game the video game even go they also had like all these like different sculptures you could take photos with little inflatable things of the starters it's just it was bonkers the moment you hit that station from there to the venue it's all pokemon do we
0: have any idea like how many people attended because too many like like it's a lot but it's not olympic levels of attendance and tourism dollars right or or yen i should say but it was enough for them to be like right that's it
2: we're going full-on pokemon mode it's a very good question i have no idea on the actual see i know the number of masters tcg players but (laughs) which was 638 but i have no idea on the actual total like including spectators and All that and just visitors. I don't even know how you do a metric on the visitors as well. Yes. So
1: whilst you were competing, I did have a you know as a spectator, I walked around and I went outside. It it was packed everywhere. As busy as it was in the halls, it was busy outside as well. Because I think it was a Obon, so it was like a holiday that weekend. So there was lots of kids and stuff around as well. But just the area around it was surrounded by. People and you could tell they were here for Pokemon because, again, in Japan, there's a love for it. Everyone had a keychain or a T-shirt or a badge. The, hats, the, hats. the hat, the Pikachu hat. All of them had the Pikachu hats. Just queuing queues for to take photo opportunities at these like things they had set up.
0: It it sounded like it was pretty grueling just getting your pass, right? <laughs> yes. <we will. laughs> Let's
1: transition to the passes because. Um, <laughs>
0: I would consider us the
1: lucky ones, and it's very hard for us to portray how difficult and gruelling it was for some people. It started at five, I believe, on the... Yes, that's when Thursday? they said, yeah, that's when they said opened. Yeah. Yeah. I believe people got there early, because why not? Queue up early.
2: Luke, do you want to tell us how early they got there? I think we arrived at two,
1: which again, is three hours early, but we were like, oh, we can stand around and wait And we were the uh, lucky or unlucky group to be the first ones to be able to get sent outside because there was just too many people in the hall. They had to queue it round the outside of the building. To give people
2: an idea, people had started queuing for their passes at about 9am. That was the general time people were generally queuing for the passes.
0: And this is the height of summer as well, right? It was very hot. So... I think the
1: complication comes from it was spectators and players. And there was a lot of spectators.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not the only complication, though. Obviously, that's a huge factor. They decided to do spectator passes and competitor passes on the same day, which was the seemed When you look back at it, you don't know how they came to that conclusion to actually do that. But also, brushed upon earlier talking about the lottery system. To get your spectator passes was a lottery system, but also... To get Pokemon Center slots was a lottery lottery system. One thing that uh, Pokemon Company did, which was really good of them, is that they gave people who got spectator passes and the people who are competitors a guaranteed Pokemon Center slot, which is really, really good because they didn't have that at London. London was an apply thing, obviously not a lottery. It was like a first come, first serve sort of deal. But competitors had a guaranteed slot. Now... If you were a person trying to organise when the competitors would get their slot, I'm not going to lie, if I was to do a bingo, it wouldn't be at 5pm the same time we're going to pick up our competitor passes.
1: (laughs) I I completely forgot that was the case. The issue was, is there wasn't any information. And with that amount of people, it was very hard to pass that information down the line if there was that. We were in the queue, what did I say? I think we got there about free or something. And one of the strangest things is that we were in the queue next to André Skubel, who, if you're somewhat familiar, is the previous world champion. That's right. Who just had to wait outside. No priority, no... It just seemed very <laughs> bizarre wild. that there wasn't any priority for the players, it seems
0: The players who... Are about to compete in like the exactly. the biggest event of the year and and need time to practice and yeah. even and rest. You're jet lagged, yeah. Like that's a lot, and then to stick them outside in the heat and with the masses who are there to get into the Pokemon Center and that seems wild. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what what happened as a result though is you had people who are the very unfortunate ones who got there later because if you did this at London, it was fine. You could get there later and actually the queue had gone down. You could walk in straight away. However, in Tokyo, if you got there later, you're looking at a three hour, four hour plus queue, sometimes even longer than that. One
1: of the people we went with, they got there about 5.30 or something. I think they were still queuing at about 8 in the evening. Yeah, that sounds about Outside as well. Yeah,
2: it was insane. And these poor people who have got the tournament the next day are stuck in the blazing heat. The way that the Pokemon company remedied this somewhat was... All the competitors who couldn't go to the centre that day got given a a special all access pass. So, in essence, they can go whenever they felt like it. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, but it was insane to the point where, because obviously the centre had shut. By the time some people would finish queuing, the centre would shut. So it's why they had to do those Mm. passes for them. I, (laughs) I was very lucky in my queuing experience, I must admit. We went to a lovely orchestra beforehand. A Pokemon orchestra? A Pokemon orchestra. It was one of the events held beforehand. And it was a wonderful experience. It was the Tokyo's National Philharmonic. And they were doing pieces on all the video games, so like particular poppy pieces, like Cynthia's theme, doing stuff like the battle with Ho-Ho in Heart of Gold, like some of these really big orchestral pieces. Absolutely phenomenal to listen to. They even did a little bit on Worlds beforehand, where it was like the build up to Worlds. It was a, a really wonderful experience. And actually, it's like probably the first time I've seen an orchestra play live it was wonderful and i'm not a sort of person who listens to like orchestral or like classical music that often but that was it was a phenomenal experience and so we were there at the venue and then we walked out we actually didn't realise there was a queue outside, and we just randomly walked into one of the side doors into the venue that, which was for some reason open, and we ended up inside, and then we just joined the queue inside. Now, bear in mind, this was at four thirty PM, and it ended up being we then see message from Paul, Luke and other thing. Oh yeah, we're queuing outside, and we're like, <laughs> and we were just like, ah, okay. So we're not going to text anyone at this point to say that we have somehow got inside and don't (laughs) don't want to jinx ourselves and we got into the centre. So I I count my lucky stars in that regard because luckily Luke and um, others didn't have to queue for too long. But I do feel very bad for the people outside who were caught in the ludicrously long queue.
1: Apart from the results of the lottery of not many of us winning certain things, getting the passes was the first sign of, oh, this is actually gonna be a very busy event. Yeah.
2: (laughs) We were actually very lucky on our Pokemon Center slots though, because somehow our group of people ended up getting like three slots on the Wednesday. And because each slot on the Wednesday, you have like three extra people with you, it meant that almost our whole group got to go in on the Wednesday when the center first opened, which was a huge, huge blessing. So let's talk about
0: the Pokemon Center. Like, we we all love a Pokemon Center. It's the dream. Every time you go to Japan, <laughs> you get to visit. We've been to them at various events. So what was the hot item this time at, at Worlds in Yokohama? Well... <laughs> Uh, do, you to, do you want to touch on maybe how it was run? Because there was a ticket si- uh, system yes.
2: for the hot items, luckily. Yes. So when we went in on the Wednesday, actually their queuing system was very good because oh, we had our time slots and then we were each put into different rooms depending on our time slot and then they'd let people out of the room. It almost sounds slightly Big Brother-esque when I, when I talk about it. <laughs> um, but they let us out and then we went into the centre as a result. But Before you go in, there's a, like a little kiosk like several, several tables where there'll be a person behind it who will give you a ticket to an exclusive item. You can take one of each ticket for each exclusive item. And in this case, they were the World Championship themed deck, um, which is there a, a deck that comes in a very nice metal tin. You also come with a World promo inside it, and the whole deck is red hollow. The three play mats is it three play mats? Yeah, there's three play mats. Yep, Free play yeah, mats. Three yeah. play mats, uh, which are all exclusive to the World Store and the Dice, which are also exclusive to the World Sword. So those are the exclusive items. And what you would do is once you go through the huge Pokemon Center and picked up your various goodies and then wonder how you're going to financially recover from this, and you, <laughs> you get to the till um, and you redeem the tickets and you get your exclusive items. It was a
1: fantastic way to yeah, run it. Yeah,
2: it was wasn't great. It? it meant that people got what they needed. I will say, however, I will say, I kind of wish they had put limits on some of the items in the actual center sooner i was fortunate enough to pick up was the bomber jacket which is absolutely gorgeous i love it to bits but when i got there and bearing in mind i i didn't get there for 12 i got there for 1 so it was only an hour after the first opening i got the last extra large and luckily that fit me quite well, because luckily the Japanese are size scalings a lot smaller. So an extra large is like a large. And then by the time I looked back on there, all the bomber jackets were gone and they would all completely sold out. For good or just for that day? For good. I
1: think it was for, for good.
2: good, yeah. Oh, wow. Because what they had done and word on the grapevine was that they had already brought out the next day's stock, huh. which is obviously a mistake. But the issue was the bomber jackets didn't have a limit on them.
0: I remember at Worlds in London last year, like people would, you'd see people going around and literally just putting the maximum of every item possible into their basket yeah. just to sell later. Like, mm. Yeah, and,
1: it's a bit of a shame that, isn't it? It's,
0: yeah, it is. And like, I'm, I'm very fortunate that our friend Matt picked up a couple of items for me. Um, so I was able to, you know, enjoy a couple of things from the event. But a lot of people just go there to grab stuff and, and sell it for me. Yeah. Multitudes over what the asking price like that theme deck you mentioned. Oh. I don't know how much it was there, but people are selling that for like three hundred pounds. Yeah,
2: now? it's it's yes. gone down a bit. I say gone down a bit. It's gone down to like two hundred and twenty. But, <laughs> but you from from what though? What did it it's cost? Like twenty quid, I think it was. Something yeah, along those yeah. lines.
0: But it sounds like they've you know at each event they bring in some new thing. Like this ticket thing for the exclusive item. Sound like it worked pretty it well. It was very
2: good.
1: I was only going to say that when I I was very fortunate, I was able to go in on the Thursday after waiting in a queue. I was able to get pretty much everything I wanted apart from the dices. I think those sold out as well
2: the previous yeah, day. they sold out The two Wednesday. dice sets.
1: And again, I think for the most part, there was quite a good amount of stock for the quote-unquote main things people want the play mats the deck hmm. as as the days went on we were some of us were fortunate to be able to go in multiple times all the people we went with or that had them multiple places they weren't the ones that were reselling things you, you would see people outside i hate to use such a horrid word but vultures who would want to try and jump in to your group to join and do multiple loops to buy as much <laughs> as they can and maybe some of them were telling the truth like oh i'd lost my ticket can i go in with you but there was a, a lot of people doing that
2: there's only so many people who have lost their tickets yes exactly <laughs> on the later days um
1: i think i was able to get a slot on the very last day there were still hundreds and hundreds of playmats and the deck so if you were able to go you there there wasn't running out of stock it was it was quite impressive in that regard for those things there were some weird things also that went out of stock quick like chopsticks i heard
2: yes chopsticks did go out. Of i was surprised
1: by that as well um Certain plushes and figures went quick, but for the most part, I think they retained a pretty good stock
0: for exclusive yeah. items. Give me a quick breakdown
2: of like your haul. Like, <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. we have to do a video for that, this later. That's, but that's like... another podcast, um, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I'm quite happy telling how much I dropped in essence um, in that, and I, I I spent over like 500 pounds in that centre easily.
1: Oh yes, yeah, so probably about the same. And again, on the later times they dropped limits for like the playmats the exclusive playmats and they still had loads left and a lot i got a set for me and some spares for other people um that weren't able to attend
2: yeah so i I did similar i picked up probably two of each of the um mats because then i've got one for myself and then i can give out the rest in terms of going back to the the hall stuff i must admit i've been purely wearing pokemon clothing for like <laughs> the past 2 weeks because i've bought that many different t-shirts jackets Love I've that. now got I somehow have now like a cycled rotation of various caps and satbacks and various <laughs> hats because because not only do I have my uh the stuff I bought from the centre, it's stuff I got from the competitors kit as well. The competitors kit looked great, by the way. Like tell me what was in there. I thing. got a ramen bowl. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> That's the thing I was most excited about when I opened up. I remember it was I was in the I was in the queue for the centre and I just opened up my competitors' thing. And I, and I just went, I've got a ramen bowl. I I, I didn't even realise why why we had a ramen bowl. But it was great because it's a lovely designed, white and blue, had the world championship on it, had all the different key arts surrounding it. It's like it's a really nice bowl. I also got matching chopsticks because why not? I got stuff like, uh, like a switch cleaner, uh, obviously got some sleeves. Interestingly, we didn't get an exclusive deck box because that was one of the things that they couldn't make enough of it was some things taken off the list so we got given one of the world center deck boxes dice tray plush with the ramen bowl i also got which is the thing i am going to be using a lot is um i got a passport holder but for when i go to my other regionals and that people will definitely know that i'm traveling for pokemon this time (laughs) That's the thing, right? Like there's definitely a
0: kind of cool factor to showing that you have been to other events and it's quite a nice reward. Like you've gone all that way, you've got the points and before you've even started playing in the tournament, you've got this pretty nice package of
2: stuff. Exactly, and also the other thing I uh, I forgot to mention, obviously I got the competitor's bag as well because that's how they put everything in it. And obviously the other thing that you get as part of it is you get the world's promo. Which is hearkening to a particular fave Pokemon of Will's here. (laughs) It's a paradise resort, and it's a card that says, All your Psyducks have one less retreat. Isn't that wonderful? Pokemon Company have learnt their lesson of printing really strong cards or cards that could potentially be playable as very very exclusive promos so i think it's a way to counteract that a bit more of a
1: trophy now rather than an actual game exactly (laughs) however i
2: am waiting for a really broken golducky x and this is like an automatic four of in deck and we just end up in a situation again
0: imagine that because a previous world championship promo was really good although i didn't see a huge amount of play i don't think in card of YEX, which is a, a very popular meta
2: yes that was champions festival yeah it saw it saw a bit of play um at the time to try and throw off master Lost box and for Tex for drift loom as an attacker in terms of other really broken and maybe not world's promos actually no it was a world's promo uh you had tropical beach which is an yep. infamous if for those who don't know it's a stadium card that once during your turn you can draw cards until you have seven in hand but your turn ends which was an Infamous, infamous card because of how strong it was. Control decks adored it. They had a stadium card that let them just draw a ton of cards. They're never attacking you anyway. But the only way you got it is if you placed relatively well in various regionals or in the world championship. And presumably, the resale on that is a lot. It, it, it it's a number. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Pokemon Center done. You got your passes. What was next? Like, tell me about that. Can I just actual... round something off quickly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it.
1: We were in a very fortunate situation with the Pokemon Center, and I think we all had a good time with it. I did hear some competitive players probably weren't able to get it as you know easily as they could, or get the items they wanted because, as we said, some bits sold out. My only change, I think, I would make is when I went to a Kingdom Hearts concert. They had an exclusive store and. When they sold out of things in the store, they had order forms so that you could order oh, what you wanted good. and you it would be made and then sent out afterwards. And now this could be a massive logistic thing, but what would be your fault on each competitor? Sure, they might be able to get a spot, but they just get a form and they can tick off what they want. And that means competitors
2: 100% get what they want from the store, even if it's at a later date. That's really nice. I must admit, I'm, I i didn't even think of that sort of way to do it and i think that'd be quite nice because they haven't they have a list of names of the competitors you register on rk9 and then the way you could do it yeah if you had a form let's say you register on rk9 so they have a list of people because the only thing i'm thinking of because let's say you qualify for worlds but you actually don't go to worlds but you somehow get access to the form would it be something that you'd have to give in in person
1: again i haven't thought of the logistics <laughs> of it i think we're all under the impression that worlds is a it should be a celebration of pokemon as a whole but i f- they need to improve the aspects for competitors i agree because that's it's for them
2: <laughs> uh, one of the things i i was thinking about in terms of improving it because the the whole the whole site is going to be ready like a couple of weeks beforehand let's say we still had it the competitor slot is for the pokemon center is at five on the thursday but there's nothing stopping them going oh but to register as a competitor you can do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you have it across three days. There seem to be this adversity of hiring more staff. As coming from a judge myself, those judges there who were judging the event, who are running the event, they are not paid. The way they are paid is that obviously they get accommodation paid by the Pokemon Center and um, their flights are paid for as well. But their expenses are paid, but they don't get paid themselves. One of the things I think would be very useful for them to have in future is just having some more paid staff that you have paid staff, let's just say, from Monday to Wednesday, who you yeah, say, Oh, yeah, come on down any of these times to come pick your competitor pass across three days, that seems incredibly reasonable. And then on the Thursday, the competitors will come in for their stop. True, it will be crowded, of course, because you'll still have a load of competitors coming at once for the center store. And maybe there you could then interact with you could humour like the form idea that you had, Luke, into that. But it's like a multi-level thing that I think needs to be addressed in essence. I, I can certainly see it being quite stressful. like Because
0: competitors are there to compete, but they're there also because they love Pokemon and enjoy these things as much as any other fan, right? Mm. So it, it seems harsh to not allow them an opportunity to experience that.
2: Yeah and it's weird because in a weird way it's almost like you're being slightly punished for being a competitor it's like you don't get yeah. access to <laughs> this stuff like everyone else got access to it which should not be the message at the at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just just
0: early early access
2: for competitors. Yeah. It's not much. I think actually to be fair I think one of the things that particularly stoked the fire there was there was quite a bit of discourse if you f- were following on Twitter or X now. As it's called, I will refuse. We don't have we don't have to say that. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of discourse on just social media in general of competitive players saying like there are items that I can't get anymore because a I was stuck in a queue for ages or people went and bought loads. But I think one of the things that really kind of brought tensions high was Pokemon, and I can understand this from a PR point of view. Invited a load of influencers to get early access to the store. And this was early access. We're talking about on the Monday, Tuesday, early access to the Pokemon Center. And while this is fine as a PR point, one of the things they didn't do, they didn't give them limits on products, on anything. Uh And the reason we know this is because certain influencers then proceeded to buy a load and then go on social media and say look at all what i've got message me if you're interested in any mm. when you had people buying to, like to sell yeah of course to sell yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and you had these people who bought like for example the um the the boards the skateboards grew the resentment even more because we have said on various occasions the world championship is highlighting the competitors the people who are the trying to be the best in their respective area and like i said it is a celebration for everyone but you are kind of putting those competitors to the side
1: not upscaling i think is the maybe the correct term is uh...
2: yeah no i think i think that's a, i think that's a very fair term i feel like sometimes they don't understand how popular they are which is a, such a weird <laughs> thing to say but they both seem to know and don't know at the same time there's this shock when all the products sold out but then why is there shock that all this product is sold out because they're so popular it makes you want to put a tinfoil hat on and it's like a massive conspiracy should we talk about the actual event yeah no you know what yeah the thing we actually were there for (laughs)
1: because as a spectator perhaps i maybe would not have wanted to pay 200 pounds or whatever for a second-hand spectator ticket no but i still enjoyed myself as a spectator anyway on the competitor side as far as i'm aware it sounded like there wasn't any controversy too much
2: no well at least on the tcg side the event itself was ran very well i had no issue with it and my only issue is was my um last two rounds where i got two losses but i can't really help that <laughs> As a whole though, um, the event itself was run completely fine. There's very minimal overrun. Going to like regionals and internationals in like America, for example, I've had to wait sometimes in excess of half an hour, even 40 minutes in between rounds. In essence, I had to wait around in between rounds, which is bonkers. While this one, the largest overlap, I think in between rounds, was 15 minutes and that's perfectly acceptable and something that I understand as a judge myself I can understand how that happened my only small gripe was I wish the tables were a bit bigger but I think the tables <laughs> were very much designed for Japanese playmats and not for Western playmats
0: I did see photos of them like running off the edge of the table yeah,
2: so, but that is a an incredibly minor issue but the overall running of it was very smooth I, I did say it was well run for the TCG side of things. Um, Luke, did you want to talk about at all the VG side? I,
1: I got to hear a little bit because I was spectating and didn't have to worry only about playing. I believe there was like, the, the way the trading card, oh, I'm sorry, the video game works is that you're plugged into like a local network. I believe, if that sounds yeah, right. It, it was right. something like the top 16 got unplugged or reset or something, which is, oh. imagine like top 16 at the TCG tournament and they flip the tables and suddenly everyone <laughs> has to reset. Suddenly <laughs> all like, the tables flip at once. <laughs> which is like, causes so much discourse. I don't know how Go was run. I presume it was fine. Uh, Unites I presume, was okay. I didn't hear any yeah, controversy um, anywhere. um
2: Unite was run perfectly fine i I, I don't remember any sort of controversy with it they had a good crowd following you always you could always hear Mm. where unite was the sort of like big cheers you kind of kind of wanted to just join in with them it was a lot they seemed to having a great time with it so what happens there then like if you're playing the video
0: game and you're doing pretty well you feel like you're about to secure a victory and then they're like sorry just got to reset everything yeah i believe it was
1: reset and there was a lot of
0: Word about how
1: there's no, um, I guess the term would sort of be like in-game save for or like for battles where you can resume if they were suddenly disconnected. because um, yeah. it's not like everyone's switch turned off; everyone was just disconnected, right, from their opponent. Certainly, is not what you want happening. In your world championship. No, 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 top 16 (laughs) as well.
0: It's just like, you're
2: so far. Exactly. And like, there's a lot of money on the line as well. And I think this is an issue with Scarlet Violet. I could be wrong about this, but I believe in previous games, if you were disconnected, you could resume. Mm. And I think it's a feature they took out. Hopefully, maybe later down the line, they implement a patch, or maybe in later games, they put this back in. But I'm pretty sure in previous games, if you were disconnected, you could resume from point.
1: As a as a whole I think there wasn't anything massive on <laughs> Twitter or you know news articles having to be written about <laughs> unkempt players and all this no, and no. that. Quickly note on spectator side and I will bring us back to 2019 London just cuz I want to include Will a little bit cuz we all attended the London Worlds but we played as in the open and as spectators. We all enjoyed that, right? That was Yeah, that
0: was good. I loved it. Yeah,
2: it was fun. Yeah. It, it was interesting because I didn't know the discourse as much in Japan in terms of the side events, because I heard there was a lot of things not quite working. In London, if I wanted to do side events, I just queued and then I got my thing and it was all barely hunky-dory. My
1: situation's a bit different is that I was fortunate that I didn't overpay for a spectator ticket. And so I didn't particularly care about taking a part in side events. I was happy just to be there, take photos and watch the games and this and that. Yeah, I didn't try for side events because it was very hard to do. I usually like to play in the GLC. I didn't even know they were happening on the first day because it was...
2: Wait, there were GLC tournaments? Yeah,
1: it was done (laughs) online in like a a table booking system, like you'd go for a restaurant or something. Oh, they did it on open table, didn't they? I think they've done it in American or some of the American regionals or something. Oh my goodness. It was my first time seeing it and with the amount of people... It didn't particularly work well, at least on the first day, maybe they fixed it. But at that point, I didn't particularly care to look or try. It was, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame because, again, it's as much as it is for the players, it's nice for other people to take part as well.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed side events at The Last Worlds in in London because, you know, you may not be competing at the highest level, but you still get to have games with people from around the world and, and hear their perspective see how they play and there are cool prizes you can win and rewards to grind for so it's a shame it sounded like it didn't work out this time
2: yeah and especially nice with side events like uh it gave people the opportunity to get like the world's promo for example which mm. which is um normally exclusive obviously to the um competitive players or an exclusive map for example which is pretty cool as we were all attesting to here the london one was done uh, very well actually and the first red flag is probably when they cancelled the Open, right? Why Why do you think that happened? Ah, uh, it's definitely... My my two cents on it, it's 100% a uh, space issue. I was looking and I was like, where on earth would you put an Open? Um, <laughs> that was thing number one. And thing number two, and actually I kind of vaguely brushed upon this about staff. I don't think they had enough staff to deal with
0: the Open. Because it's effectively... Another event as big as or close to
2: the size of the main one, right? It's probably bigger. It'll be bigger than the actual mm-hmm. worlds because anyone can compete, and it's also yeah. uh, points-wise, it's a lot. It's it's the same points as a regional.
1: It's very hard to convey how busy it was there. The Japanese, I guess, regional equivalent. When you're looking at three thousand players, it's like it's very hard to imagine how they would have fit that in fairly for Japanese players and for. Everyone else coming to, to play as well.
0: And this is another part of it, right? It's it's the Pokemon Company International meeting with the Pokemon Company of, of Japan and trying to make those work together when they would normally be quite separate.
2: Yeah, and it's always been in the past, uh, particularly with Japan and the west there has been a, a slight slight lack of communication between the parties or like the conversations aren't brought up as well between them because it, it's weird when you think about it because I was actually having a chat with someone about this about the open because you've got to make it like you've got to make it fair to make sure that people in Japan also had a good chance to play in the open but weirdly if you were a japanese competitive player playing in the open there would be no gain for you at all
1: yes because this was before the change that you know first place would get invites right it is
2: so it's like interesting actually you talk about that that does not apply to uh asian players oh does it it is odd and i don't quite understand why that is but yeah but if you're a japanese this is the interesting thing because if you're a japanese player playing in the Open, i believe you there are still booster awards it's like a few boxes sort of thing and the points are in essence lost on them
1: Yeah, it's certainly difficult to imagine the logistics of it. Kind of understandable, but overall a bit of a shame, you know. Mm very tricky subject right it is very <laughs> tricky
2: isn't it no it's, it's especially when we don't know exactly what went down behind the scenes no we don't know the full ins and outs of the situation we don't know the logistics behind it we don't know the communications we don't know the staff power and etc etc so it's um so it's very hard for us to judge the situation we can only hear what little drips and drabs that we hear from someone's mate's mate's cousin who happens to work as a janitor for the pokemon company sort of thing <laughs> so john how how did you do come on tell us about your (laughs) competition so um obviously i had qualified for day one of worlds uh for those who don't know top players in each region so for europe it's top 22 of each region at the end of the season automatically get day two in day one there were eight rounds and you needed six wins out of eight to qualify for day two or five wins and three draws so it's a fairly tall order Already to get to day two. But it should be. Some people gripe bad. But it is the world championship. If you could get by with four wins and four losses. And it kind of takes out the sort of like the, (laughs) the gravitas of it. I started the day well. I was on three wins and a draw going into lunch. Fairly high spirits in that regard. The issue with a draw is the moment you get a loss. That draw is pretty much a loss so draws are generally very very bad because you could no longer get three draws because obviously it's only eight rounds to get the draws to be worth anything you need three of them and five wins come back into lunch uh, straight off the bat uh, I faced a japanese player who was playing gardevoir and the deck decided to be uncooperative shall we say <laughs> um and it was a Pure unfortunate draws. Not to take away anything with my opponent. My opponent played very well. He obviously knows how to go around Lost Tina. I was just going
1: to say, just quickly, you're on Lost
2: Giratina. Yes, I was playing Lost Los Giratina for yeah. Worlds, yeah.
1: And nothing nothing too spicy.
2: No, like the too the too only sweet. alteration. like the, the spiciest thing I put in there was a Raihan. And it's yes. about as spicy as a Korma, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was originally testing out Wo Shen in Lost Tina but I couldn't quite get it to work. And to my great annoyance, there was someone in day two who was playing Wo and Lost Tina. So fair play to no them. Way. But yeah, it was a cross-switcher build of Lostina. Yes. Uh, but yeah, did um, Lost to him. And in the next round, I face a Turbo Box. Now, for those who don't know the matchup, Lostina can find it quite difficult to beat Turbo Box. The main reasons are because Turbo Box gets to their main attackers like Sableye, or then Mirage Gate turns a lot faster than you can <laughs> by a no stretch, no short stretch for a mile. And I knew the matchup fairly well. And I actually won the first round in that game by being able to abyss seek twice in a row and being able to get bump up my loss zone and then start Sableyeing his board to oblivion. Uh, second game didn't get set up properly and I lost that. And in the third game, now it was going to go to time. And I said to the opponent, like, look, if we both draw here, We're out of the competition. So it's a bit silly to have it come to that situation. So we agreed on a gentleman's agreement. We agreed that the person who has taken the most prizes by the end of that game, so when time is called, would be the winner. And I, unfortunately, had a very slow start and he turn one got Radiant Greninja off of me where both my comfies got blown up to oblivion. Um, And I was just kind of like... I can't do anything else at this point and I just shook his hand and gave him the game because yeah, there was nothing even if we were to play this game out normally I wouldn't have won that game and I was very aware of that fact so sadly I finished with three wins one draw and two losses now I did drop after that I am not usually the sort of person who drops from a tournament I always usually play it out to the end but I think it's weird in this instance because day one isn't recorded in the standings or anything like that. It's it's almost like the elimination. There's no prizes for anywhere you come unless you just make day two. There's not a standings afterwards for day one. It would be playing for the sake of playing. And while I very much do enjoy playing Pokemon, I'm in Japan and I'd rather be doing other cool things than playing <laughs> yeah. uh, another two rounds of Lost Tina. So. I sadly dropped after that. Um, I was very happy that one of my teammates, um, Bolly, did make it into day two. So I was very happy that one of us did do it.
1: You had a very similar story to a lot of people in our group, right? Is that not many people were super disappointed, you know, going their note-free drop. We had quite a few like, oh, will they make it situations, right, with players, which is, it's annoying and I can imagine it's quite heartbreaking, but it wasn't as heartbreaking as everyone's like super dejected and dropped straight away so it was quite a good showing i think it would have been nice everyone Everyone would have loved that but i still think everyone played really well and really tried
2: yeah no everyone in our group did there wasn't no no one in our group from what i can remember was like a zero free drop because that is sad when you if you go through that situation yeah yeah, you're going going to the world champion you've worked all this time and you've lost your first three that's it you're out you're done at least you want a few wins on your belt to start with to say, I've got a chance, I can still keep trying. And then, like Luke said, it's still sad when you kind of like fail at the last bits of the hurdles, but at least you still very much had a chance throughout all the way through that. But if you just hit three unfortunate matchups in a row, sometimes you kind of can be a bit dejected as a result of that. So I was very happy that all all of our group did have those three wins, some four wins, um, before it kind of went a bit south. Yeah,
0: fair play to everyone. Like you say, sometimes you, you have hit those bad matchups and other players seem to have plot armour and dodge. <laughs> those. Yes, uh, agreed with that. We're not all aff- afforded
2: that, Yeah. we? Um, Speaking
1: of plot armour,
0: should we quickly talk about tournament as a whole? If you watch the
1: finals and stuff, I thought it was very exciting.
2: It was. The finals was very really exciting. The fact that it, it was a very to and fro there were very, you could very clearly see it. and actually compared to the London finals this was far better because the London finals i must admit was a bit boring to watch not quite a mirror match but it was very much incredibly similar decks but one was incredibly favored over the other and it very much showed that during the game where Andre um, won very comfortably. I don't think there was no point when I was looking at a game where I was thinking like, "Oh, Andre's in there like a is in a is a pickle here." No, he was very much. It was in control throughout all of it, and it, that's what was expected. But the Todd game, yeah, it could have gone either way. It was literally one or two card different. The fact that Todd hit double psychic off the Guardi Shining Arcana <laughs> to get the knockout of the MV Max, which was oh, insane. Treatment. Yeah, it was. Yeah. There were so many like big moments like that which made it very exciting i honestly thought that the plot armor of tord would have taken into the world <laughs> championship and to be fair that would have been quite something he would be the only player to win every single type of um western event
1: like not even just like winning an euic like winning every he's, IC. Yeah, he's like, won. Yeah, like. <laughs> from every region. Yeah. Nothing against Vance. He played incredibly well yeah. and came first place, but it would have been spectacular it, to see. It Jordan would me. have, wouldn't it? Like, it... Yeah. It's <laughs> everyone loves a good story. Again, Vance did very well with Mew. Everyone thought Mew, yeah. you know, was out of contention with all its counters. No. But fair play Mew doesn't
2: die. Well. Mew's like Pikerong. <laughs> when you think it's dead, it's definitely not dead. But saying that, though, I, I do wish Vance would have cracked more of a smile when he won. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he won, I, I I don't know if it was kind of like the shock that he just won. So he just didn't have much of a reaction or it was just another a day in a week for him.
1: The, the way that last turn played out as well. Like I think as soon as he saw Todd get rid of or not use a supporter for hand disruption, he probably realized, okay, I've won at this point. I've got bossy yeah. and there's not much you can do. Or it's like he probably had some time to... Yeah come to terms with the fact that I've probably just won. Yeah. No,
2: that's very true. That's very true. He He's already hyped himself up. He already had his excitement yeah. in his head. <laughs> Bit of poker face, yeah.
0: Is is Mew the deck? I know you didn't play Mew, John, but it's it's been a popular deck since it came out, right? It's, it's sort of gone against all the odds. Did we
2: think we were going to see it in the top four at Worlds? So that's an interesting one. On reflection, I do think Mew was the correct pick for Worlds because I think... Going into it, the big hype deck was lost Tina. That was the big, the hype. That's what people were expecting to see a lot of, and probably certain people were expecting to see arc decks mainly in day one day two is a whole nother story. But, um, I think Mew is still very good because Mew is just very good at punishing the slow starts. If you have a slow start against Mew, you have probably lost because Mew doesn't understand the word slow and it's going to go (laughs) 5,000 miles an hour. I've been currently playing Arceus Charizard EX, the new one from Obsidian Flames. And I was testing against Mew. I think we played like 10 games and I lost seven of them. Wow. Because while people think on the offset... Like, oh, Charizard DX, it's a dark type. I could one-shot Mew VMAX, and it needs so, it needs all, it doesn't even have enough modifiers to not one-shot me. It's insane. But then you realize you've got to get the Zard out. And if they already started bossing your Charmanders, playing Lost City, knocking them out, or playing Path and judging you, and you're kind of there like, ah, I actually just can't set anything up here, you just lose. And Mew is very good at that. There are counters for Mew, of course there are. You have Drapion, you have Spirit Tomb. I, I, I would say Path to the Peak, but now they just play Path to the Peak anyway, which is <laughs> a, such a weird twist when you think about it. Its most hated thing became its like biggest ally. But you've got all these various counters and it doesn't slow it down. If I think if I was to go into Worlds again, obviously I can say this because Mew won, but if I was to do Day 1 again, I would 100% play Mew for Day 1. Day two, I think I would have stuck with Lostbox, but day one, I think I would have definitely gone with Mew. A, it doesn't draw. It very rarely draws games. And it's just so aggressive and it punishes the slightest blip in the opponent's defences. That you can just steal wins from almost certainly unsurmountable situations.
0: We actually had three Mews in the top eight. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's admirable how this deck has just gone up against everything. It's a strong deck. <laughs> the Pokemon Company has subsequently thrown against it with with counters. Yeah. Um maybe even up there is one of the greatest decks of all time. Oh, that, that's a
1: can of worms we couldn't. I will say, just on the on the format, it was pretty varied. Like I'm quickly brought up the Limitless page, but there was lots of you know you could play Lost Box or Lost Tina or Gardevoir or Mew or Pao or. There was a Polkir. I'm just looking at uh, Lugia <laughs> as well. Lugia, of yeah. course. Yeah, I'm sure maridon was in contention. There was a lot of different choices you could pick. Last year, it was people played Polkier, or if you were smart enough, you picked Arceus Pikachu, and that seemed to be the counter for it. Yeah. But looking at the year before that, it was you played one of the big tag teams, whether it was Mewtwo, and Mew, Reshiram. This format has been pretty. Cool. It's been a pretty good format. I
2: think. It's so it's a weird one, isn't it? Because also another one as well. Um Urshifu Rapid Strike is another one that yes, is sore play. Certainly in potential. Yeah. yeah. It's it's weird because this format, in terms of variety of decks, is up there. Also the fact of how stark the variations of some of the archetypes are. Take Lost Box for example. Mm. You have Lost Tina. You have Turbo, you have Kyoga, all built actually very differently from each other. From Lugia, you have colourless Lugia, you have Single Strike Lugia. From Maraidon, you've got maraidon or you've got Path Maraidon, which Andrew Mahone did for a top 32 finish. So this format for me is probably being my most enjoyable and also least liked format. It's mm. the plus in the variety, it's a downside because of the speed of the game and how crucial. That turn one is because of cards like battle VIP pass which is a notorious one if I am playing lost box and I hit two VIP pass turn one I'm in a phenomenal situation if my opponent doesn't hit VIP pass I'm pretty sure I've won the game at this point but due to be decided almost on turn one is something that doesn't jive with me as well for a person who's played a lot of older format uh, varieties of Pokemon to someone who's played during a lot during the Sun and Moon era where your turn ones aren't the be-all and end-all of the situation. Obviously, if your opponent has a good turn one versus you, they're going to be at an advantage. But it's not the case of, oh, I've just lost on the spot. And I, that's my my little tidbit on this format.
1: Yeah. Um, I think there was an excellent meme where it was like the actual winner of the top eight or whatever. It was like every top eight included a psychic Pokemon and battle <laughs> Yeah, that <parts>. sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Which is quite hilarious. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Maybe uh, deck building could be a bit varied, but I do like the direction they're taking of different things can work. I like. Yes,
2: I 100% agree. The direction they're taking this is phenomenal. Good comeback cards in the form of stuff like Iono, the fact that they were going back to the classic, you have to evolve up your Pokemon. Heck, I want to see a format where decks are running like a three to four of, of Gloria because you just need to set up basics, but it's fine because this is a porter and it's fair and it's balanced. Mm-hmm. But it's, this is definitely a topic for another another day because I could go on for years <laughs> about this.
0: <laughs> One more thought on on Mew though, as the world championship winning deck is that Pokemon released this as a as a product. Yes. Not not the exact list, but you can get the bulk of this deck for just £26 currently on Amazon. And yeah, you may want to grab a couple of copies, but that's incredible value to, to get you very close to the world championship winning list. Well, that's the
2: this is the wonderful thing about Pokemon currently, is the barrier to entry is be, is at its lowest, which is great. Yeah. When you compare it to all other card games at the moment, like new ones like lorcana for example, or even traditional ones like Magic the Gathering, their standard decks cost a bomb. Like if you want a high tier one and I'm not even going into stuff like magic with like the modern format where all their money goes in their land base. And this is one of the things that we have to thank the heavy collectors for trying to hit these chase cards and all that. But a lot of the competitive cards get put to the wayside and as a result is we can pick them up very cheaply where they've released for example the league battle decks which are a phenomenal product they come with very good cards in them like take the new v max uh comes with four vip pass in them which is insane it's so good if that vip pass was printed back uh during x and y era i guarantee you it would have been a 10 pound card per one and it's so wonderful to see that they are flooding the market with all these training cards like you've got the trainer kits as well which come with actually useful trainer cards inside them to build decks when i used to judge more heavily and i when i used to run leagues more heavily and i would do these training sessions for kids and that to learn how to play learn how to build decks it was very hard for them to come by these really competitive cards so it would be the case of they had to go with the next best alternative but now where i teach the kids how to play in that, I can recommend it. Oh, you can get this product and it will literally have all the cool stuff you need to help build your decks. And suddenly parents are there like, oh, this is actually really accessible and I'm not having to fork over 100, 200 pounds to get a really good deck. No, you're literally, as you said, 26 pounds to get the like Mu v Max battle deck and it comes with 90% of the pieces in there. You're realistically, if you look hard enough, you're spending an extra, maybe 20 quid more on top of that. And for £45, you have yourself this amazing, you have this itself a fully competitive deck. You have yourself a world's deck. And I think that's one of the huge things that I'm so happy with that Pokemon have done. They have been quite,
1: I, I think maybe the correct word is reactive to it. Because the most recent one is, or coming out soon will be Maridon, correct? With Regieleki yes, Vemax, right. which we saw when Maridon started playing, it would use a Reggie Licky, right? And that rose in price. So it got to a silly price for this VMAX that was once super accessible and yes. cheap. And whilst it doesn't play it as much anymore, or maybe at all, it will drop in price. It will drop in price from people not playing it, but also because it's now more accessible, this card that was suddenly expensive. So they've been quite good at choosing what to release as well, it yeah, seems.
2: Yeah, very much so. And I like that they've got variety. So like recently, they've brought out a Miascarado, a Quavo, and a Skeledurge battle decks, which are level two. And that that's really good. It's diversifying as well. So the players can actually like pick and choose kind of what they want to go with. They're not kind of locked into the one battle deck. And the nice thing as well, because these are the early EX cards, we have no idea how good these could potentially be Come rotation, once you get rid of like the majority of the aggression in the format, maybe Meowskarada EX. And by the way, I love Meowskarada EX. I'm part of the Meowskarada <laughs> gang, but that could potentially come after rotation be a phenomenal card. But it's already super accessible. It's in tins, it's in the battle decks. It's definitely
0: great to see, especially when, when I started playing, you know, it was, oh, there's a Dodone GX card that you need, and it's. 15 to 20 pound for one copy (laughs) and by the time they released it in a product it was about to rotate anyway but now the gap between a card being relevant and competitive to them releasing that in a product that's relatively affordable has got much shorter i think it's made it perhaps for the best time to consider playing competitive I would 100%
2: game. agree
1: though. and still space for the bling loving Hi. <laughs> John I I think my deck is very pretty at the moment I've fallen in the rabbit hole of <laughs> getting oh this is a nice gold
0: card but even John's like oh there's a there's a space for him and his excessive (laughs) i think that's how it should be i think you know offer a premium product and they do this in magic to some degree but i I don't think you should be limited to enjoying a card game purely based on budget like yes there's going to be a level of investment but i think pokemon have done a great job especially in the last couple of years to bring that price down and especially for kids like kids you know we we are grown-ups with jobs and we can (laughs) For for the most part, Yeah, in for well. John, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I get it. I <laughs> get it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's part of the reason I didn't actually play Pokemon cards until I was in my twenties was there was just no reasonable way to afford to do it. No, agreed. So, any other closing thoughts then on the world's Japan experience before we we wrap up this episode? Well, do you want to go
2: first, Luke? Because it's a <laughs> I, can, I can
0: go. I think as a whole. The event was fine.
1: (laughs) It's just fine.
2: Of course everyone would love for it to
1: be bigger and better and there's these logistics that we can't possibly imagine. But as a group, I think we all thoroughly enjoyed it. Japan was great. Uh, we
2: had lots of good food. Didn't oh, we? <laughs> food! food was so I miss the food. I miss daily for, of the food there. Even something simple as going down to a Lawson's, a 7-Eleven, and picking up a bento box meal for like three quid. And it's better than some of the stuff I have out here. <laughs> It sounds like it's actually surprisingly affordable in Japan, which is not everyone's perception of the place. It is, and I I will only uh, brush on this briefly. When I first went out to Japan, I was out there for about a couple of months. Wow, yes, it's a fairly long time. And did you run away from home? Or? No, it was hostel hopping just after university. No, just before university, across Amazing. across Japan, and. The biggest misconception in Japan is everyone says, oh, it's so wildly expensive, everything's so expensive out there. And it's not true. The most expensive bit is the flight. And I will admit that flights are very expensive to get there. <laughs> but the actual price out there for food for accommodation for travel to give you an idea i can hop from one station metro station to another station for about 80p and even to the extent of where me luke my other half and other friend of ours went out for a meal just before we were flying back and we had like Three big main dishes, two extra side dishes. I'd gone through like three or four beers at this point. Luke has already gone through like two or three <laughs> drinks. Um Other mate had gone through a couple. And these are all alcoholic drinks, like spirit mixes of beer. And my other half went through like a few just like soft drinks. The whole meal cost... 35 pounds for all four of us and it doesn't make any sense and i still don't know how we came to that number but it's that level of cheap and also there's the other side bit of on certain products you can claim the tax off as a tourist but that's a conversation for another day it's a bit too late to be talking about (laughs) tax But, like, hobbies as a whole, it's
1: it's a different ballpark out there. I know, Will, you're massively into Gundam, and yeah, I, I don't know too much on that front. It's oh, so the, cheap. The model stores, or even just, like, general stores that carry model things is, like, so impressive. Yeah.
0: It's just more evidence that I was
1: meant to be born there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To briefly talk about other card games or just card games as a whole, me and John were buying Magic cards and stuff. Oh, so cheap! Purchased maybe it was so cheap and but fun to do it as well because the way it's set up like a. Like almost like a library. Yeah, like, it's just these walls. It's not like you're flicking through a binder. No, or it's, it's these like, oh, no, there's walls and walls, walls and
2: walls of just single cards everywhere. And I was just having a field day just going it's through maybe like three
1: hundred and fifty pounds worth of singles, but got like seven hundred pounds worth of Yeah, because- it's
2: so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, take me back. Take me back again. <laughs> Please sponsor this podcast. <laughs> yes, so we okay. go back. We'll <laughs> do we'll do podcasts out there. <laughs>
0: Well, it's been lovely uh, to hear about your travels in Japan, and I'll, I'll try and live vicariously through that. Um, <laughs> but it's probably time we wrap up the first episode of this podcast, which we have named The Rulebox. Thanks, both. This has been good fun, and I hope we do it again soon. Yes, very much so. Yeah. I very thoroughly enjoyed this. Try and find a
1: subject that Will can chat in a bit more Yes, about agreed.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Will, where can you find us? If we can, can we be found? Can we be found? We found? Am I lost? Work
2: on,
0: that, work on that going forwards. Good question, Luke. At the time of recording, I'm currently grabbing the handles for the rule box. So try looking for those you should find us and the chances are if you're listening to this you already know where to find us so uh yeah stay tuned for the next episode and i'm sure we'll get onto the topic of the new season and where worlds will be next time and how we're thinking about that yes until next time this has been will john and luke on the Rulebox podcast thanks for listening bye, bye. see ya <laughs>